Hey, it's Travis. Are we already halfway through November? Oh my god. Oh my god. I really don't have much new business this episode, my friends. It's been crazy in the wake of Double Stuff October. It turns out there was a bunch of regular work, like mailing all the Patreon postcards. Lucky, lucky Double Stuff October patrons are actually getting the Raven postcard included this month. I just could not keep my hand out of the cookie jar, so congratulations, patrons. You're all also getting this month's bonus episode postcard because I already got it, because I'm great at doing the regular work, too. Those are all going out this week. Hotel tier patrons, yours goes out later this month so that you will get all your October and November stuff mailed at once as well. This month's bonus episode artist has been making really, really eye-popping, sharp, colorful, and cozy designs for quite a while. I've mentioned them on We Made the Hotel several times. I'm thrilled to announce Van is this month's bonus episode artist. Find them at Bluent Zero. That's B-L-U-E-N-T zero on twitter instagram and tiktok i'm a huge van fan their design for madam hotel looks so much like krista it's very exciting to get them for a hotel herself bonus episode the bakery yes the owner makes an appearance in an apron coming to patreon november 30th check our socials to see the truly stunning piece van made for us we're on twitter instagram and now tumblr at the hotel pod okay that's a full lid everyone enjoy this episode and we'll keep an eye out for you at the new year's eve special To count the different shapes the hotel assumes. (laughs) To count the different shapes. To count the different shapes the hotel assumes is to count your fears in the dark. A staggering list, no matter how fearless a face you put on. Of course... Of those many, or however many you count, the only one that really matters is the one that gets you. I've explored much of this void. This blank space filled with horror and trauma. There's nothing in here that fear can protect you from. Nothing in here but us. And the guests. And death. And on and on and on. I feel her absence just as keenly as the guests feel her facade. Absence is the gift she's given me. She spoils me with it. I lavish in her emptiness. I am loved by freedom from expectation or anticipation. My reward is already at hand, and I carry it with me everywhere, and always. Home is, as they say, where the heart is. I whiz through the vast, empty chamber of the hotel's heart. I can't hear it beating, 
but Hop says the blood is flowing, so I know it's there. And I know it's home. There's a man in the lobby who has no home of his own and got caught in mine. He's wandered in from without, and some street he was abandoned to. Perhaps out there, fate is pliable. Perhaps out there, he might have... Death is her gift for them, and she is truly generous. I know where he is. I am pulled toward him like a beacon, soaring in the black. Even if they could see me, they couldn't see me. But I see. Breathtakingly quickly, we're together. No longer a distant thought, no longer a torch in the cave, but a guest. Actual and whole, mumbling something to the concierge. I twirl myself to a slow stop, taking the moment with me. Sierge and the guest are stuck, still, and unknowing. I flick my wrist at my jacket, retrieving my blade. Dancing lightly, my toes never Quite touching the floor that is not there, I drag the sharp edge of it down this haggard guest. Grime and dirt tumble from his filthy beard down onto his worn boots. This one's in pain. They are all, really, mostly. But this one carries some... Extra burden. Something already stripped away inside. There's something missing in there. It's not supposed to be missing, but there it isn't. Using the point of my blade, I gently tilt his chin up for a better look. He has human eyes. They look sad don't they? Whatever happened to this man, whatever life he had, broke something behind his eyes, and he has been trying to fix it ever since. Not really what we do here, I'm afraid, but I think we can help you with that life problem you're having. Pocketing my knife with a flourishing spin, time resumes itself. And fate will show us how pliable she is in here. Uh, bathroom I can use? Invisible to them, as the guest was invisible to his peers, out there and the without, I bob between and flitter in light circles around them as they talk. I can observe completely. Even the observer can't see themselves as clearly as the invisible. He doesn't see how his arms bend to his chest as he speaks. He might look cold if he wasn't also bending, shrinking just a little, by and by, 
He doesn't notice his brows knit tighter and tighter. Those worn boots start slowly turning, pointed toward the lobby doors. Beads of sweat and coiled muscles, tight fingers and squirming shoulders, a dozen dozen other tiny moments that paint a picture of uncertain anguish. The concierge is offering him what he wants. A bathroom. He'll have the bellhop escort him. It's no problem. This man is not so sure about that. This man has seen snakes and rats in the cold hearts and blank eyes of a hundred thousand humans from his hot and hungry square of pavement. He recognizes something in the staff. Just a hint of an aroma of danger. They speak so gently, though. They assure and assume, and before this man knows what's happened, he's in an elevator with Hop, grinning that bleeding, watery grin of hers. She takes delight in her work. She so genuinely enjoys the color of their destruction that I find myself watching her in my own private delight. The concierge may click his tongue at her, but they make a good team. I hop up and sit on the front desk next to him. Suspended there in a black void, sitting on nothing while he scribbles away in the guest book. I can still see the guest with Hop, above us in the dark. She follows him out of the elevator and leads him down an endless hallway. They walk for a long while, more or less in place, her smiling the whole time. He's not Quite ready to freak out yet. He will. I peek over to Sierra's hand to see what he's written. It looks like gibberish to me, though. My blade finds my hand in a heartbeat, and I lift the corner of the other pages with it. I can't understand a word of it. He can't see me, but he's already looking over at me, smiling warmly, eyes twinkling. Well, not quite at me, but close enough that we can both enjoy a moment of almost being with each other. Almost seeing each other. I'm not there, but I am here. He knows. Just as I know, she is here. Just as the guest knows, the rest of the world is there, even when it doesn't look at him. Just as he knows, high above us, in the dark, that the danger he sensed earlier is here. That danger is her. The darkness is her. Even the concierge is her. I sigh and kick myself off the desk, gliding up past Hop 
laughing and clapping to herself as the guest occasionally runs past her on his way through the darkness. She scrunches her face a little and looks around as I pass. She looks up and waves in the wrong direction at me. I blow her a kiss and wave back anyway, shaking my head fondly. The guest screams so loud he starts coughing and retching. His eyes water from the fit, and they turn into hysterical tears as he collapses into a heap. I leave him to the bellhop and the hallways. The hotel will have her guest. The staff has performed well. I see no need to involve myself further with this check-in. It will unfold as it will. A light hand, a delicate touch, some humble observations. That's all that's required of me here. I soar through the darkness, yet not even the air passes across my cheeks. My jacket doesn't flap, my eyes don't sting with speed or exposure. I know I'm moving without the benefit of motion. I don't need direction or provincial physical space to track my travels. There are many days, but only today. There are many check-ins, but only tonight. There is only the hotel, but she takes many forms. Her vast emptiness is filled with secrets and disaster. I am one of those calamities. Crafted by her many loving hands. Crafted by her as surely as she crafts herself. If I wish destruction on the guests, it is because she made me this desire. For her. For her. I search for her, knowing I can't find her. Knowing she's here already with me watching me as I watch the staff and the guests. But still, I search. Because I want to. I, I know she must want me to. Guided by nothing and knowing I cannot arrive, I journey through the darkness alone. It pleases me to know I will not succeed, and I know it must please her to... I sigh again and stretch my arms out wide, circling faster and faster, maybe flying faster and faster. I am cradled by her indifference and share in her endlessness like no other. I will explore her fully and completely. I will count her forms and be counted as one of the fears in her darkness. I know she's here. I know she is here. And I am there. And we are close enough that we can both enjoy a moment of almost being with each other. Almost seeing each other. Almost.
Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. I remember the blood. Yes, I do. I remember the gore and horror and rotting to pieces. My flesh, my pretty blue dress, all bucket slop now. I didn't love it. Rotting. But I really don't see what all the fuss is. The guests are long dead by the time they start to rot, but I can tell they really don't like it. Even though they're all already made of meat and blood, some people just like to complain. Some people just can't find the joy in life. The bellhop can. She knows the blood is red. Whether it runs or not, she knows the meat is tender, alive or dead. She knows where to find the joy in her work. She's spunky, so full of verve in life. Right now, she is following the guest through my halls, taunting him. She runs ahead and waits for him to stagger by and then shouts after him as he limps on, hoping against hope that he's dreaming. Her self-esteem is through the roof. I could not be more proud. The guest, of course, doesn't see it that way. He's not very impressed by her confidence. He doesn't see her either, though. Not really. He sees her form, odd but serviceable, and always in her nice-pressed greys. But I see you just the way you are, little one. Not a stitch of skin on you. Bloody meat and exposed nerves stain your uniform with dark maroon blobs. Every time you laugh, thin muscles are pulled away from your beautiful smile. Every time you clap your hands, blood plats out from the bottom of your gloves. You are fearless and fierce and unpredictable and dangerous. I had this one guest practically brought a whole zoo with him, cages and tanks of all kinds of snakes and lizards and bugs, made an awful, awful mess by the end of it all, especially the snakes. But he had these baby gators, brand new, not more than a day old. Those scaly bastards are born biting, barely have their shells off, and they're already trying to take a chunk out of you. That's the bellhop. She doesn't care who she gets in her death roll, as long as they're dead. Now, who does that remind you of? <laughs> After the blood comes the starlight. I know all about that, honey. Dig deeply enough, and you'll always hit starlight. Tonight, I don't have to dig any deeper than the first story, my starlight is behind the front desk, scribbling away in the guest book. My men love writing their little lists and making their little reports. He tries to be a grandfather clock, something ornate and classic, sturdy and reliable, with gold trimming and interlocking parts that grind and grind and grind. A firm hand and a thousand-yard stare and always always in control. But all I see when I look at you is that sparkle. Bright and vivid colors that paint in godly tapestries, swirling and piercing in constant dynamic and frankly chaotic motion. You are filled with beauty and movement. You pop 
like the fraying and fizzy cosmos, and to say you contain worlds is grossly diminishing. You're not a clock, but you are wound way too tight. And we all know what happens when you don't bend. Something breaks. You've already broken something here, though, haven't you? Already doing some rearranging, hmm? Don't like the way I put things, so you put them somewhere else? I'm such a sucker for a strong man, though. What's a girl to do? And there's another one, buzzing around here someplace. I can feel her, too, or hear her. In the corner of my ear, just faintly, a droning hum. Nearly constant. She seems nice. Her I keep separate from the others, more or less. Locked away in a jar so she can't sting anyone. But I poked holes in the lid. So to speak. It's not the each other they need a separation from. It's the guests. I don't know if it's because I didn't really socialize the old crew or because they really don't get out much, but, well, they picked up some odd habits, peculiarities, some stiffness at parties. That kind of thing. We'll get this new crew into fighting shape in no time. They're already killing it with the guests. They're killing it with each other. They're killing it so well. They've already killed my whole staff. Nah. <laughs> we laugh, but it is a serious problem. They're really only supposed to kill the guests. And I think some of these guests may have been killed before already. But I can't be on site to wrangle them this entire time. I am only one hotel. Sort of. They just need a dry run. A shakedown. Something high stakes to settle them in before I take my hand off the wheel. Please! Not just a check-in. Don't leave me here! But a party. No! I know who my plus one is. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witt. Starring Kelly Ninotowski as the manager. Mark Whitman as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. Rissa Montanez as the bellhop. Damon Allens as the concierge. Bailey Wolf as the auditor and Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum-Drake.